I think when you get into a rut, you tend to blame the thing that you like don't like the most. And at that time, it was my job. And then I slowly realized it was more of like, I need to work on me and like what this really is. I feel like when a guy like me, a normal guy from South Alabama can tell you that, hey, man, it's okay to not be okay then even if one person takes that message and spreads it to three more people, you know, then I think that it's a job well done. Welcome back to another episode of the No More Zero Days podcast. Today's episode is featuring Charlie and Mallory Muncaster. Charlie is a country music artist with his partner Gary Stanton, and they are the band you know and love as Muscadine Bloodline. Mallory is a passionate makeup artist and creator. Today's episode, we talk about the importance of supporting one another as individuals while being married, the importance of mental health and the stigma surrounding it, as well as how Charlie and Mallory are both pursuing new hobbies this year during quarantine. I didn't want today to simply be a predictable episode where we interview the famous country music artist and his wife. The thing I love most about Charlie and Mallory is their ability to pursue their individual passions while wholeheartedly supporting one another along the way. Episode 35 begins now. So I'm just going to go out there and assume that you guys probably haven't spent this much time under the same roof together in a long time due to all the things that we'll just label as 2020 and now carrying over into 2021. What has that been like for you guys to be able to have all this time together? Well, it's kind of funny you say that because we talked about this last night and like we gotten like a little tiny, you know, little bickering thing over some little minor thing. And I just remember us we were like, why do we like why do we bicker about little tiny stuff lately? And I was like, it's probably because we've never spent this much time together since I met you. Yeah. I, I keep telling everybody like I'm comparing it to the first year of marriage, but like we're literally in our second year of marriage, but it's like experiencing that first year over again right. because now we're like learning all those like little weird things that each other like that we do, I guess. And well, so it's like I don't really realize that, you know, usually when I'm gone like four days a week, you know. A lot of times I can just kind of run away from everything that's like reality. Well, we just got so used to like the routine of like we were hanging out when he was in town. And so like we're just filling those three days. Yeah. Yeah. With all this like stuff. You don't have time for negative. Right. True. Hey, I love you. I missed you. Right. So when people are like, oh my gosh, is it hard when he was on the road? I'm like, I kind of like it because it's like you get the time to like miss each other and like. Then there's also the opportunity to like do cool stuff. Like he goes to cool places and sometimes I get to tag along and I think that's really cool. But yeah, it's definitely been a very <laughs> challenging year in more ways than one. I mean, totally. obviously like a lot of learning experiences, growth, yeah. growth opportunities, a lot of <laughs> growth opportunities. That's for sure. As a creative myself, like I've really realized in the past, we'll call it 12 months, just the importance of getting away to kind of reset my mind. Because sometimes, at least for me, like even when I my head hits the pillow at night, my mind's thinking like, what if we did it this way? What if I reached out to this person? What if I got this person, you know, on the podcast? And so there's never an, an off moment. But I know for me as a single guy, optimistically thinking about I've, I've now dated you know, in air quotes, people that have been also creatives, but I've also dated not creatives. And, and in one instance, it's actually kind of nice dating someone that's polar opposite of you because they kind of balance you out. And when you want to be super high strong and they're very low key, it's kind of like not, you know, we're not banging heads all the time. So as both creatives, what has that been like? Because I know kind of the makeup thing, or at least externally to people now has been a, a newer thing for you, Mallory. Yeah. What has that been like for both of you guys to, or how rather are you able to kind of find 
that creative inspiration while also still being in a relationship together, but leveraging each other. Cause I've seen both of you guys support each other yeah. in really great ways on social and, and talk about things for me. Well, this is just, I'm going to put this out there. I think Charlie and I are probably like the laziest creatives there are. Cause like we have really great ideas, but we're not always the f- like first person to be like, I'm going to do this. Like, I think we both yeah, we're need really good at, at planning, you know, yeah. but we'd lack a little bit in the execution area. But I think it's great because <clears throat> like more now than ever, since I have like come forward with like all the beauty stuff that I want to do. Um, Charlie, it's so funny. Cause he like, will like be watching over my shoulder. I'm like scrolling through Instagram. He's like, you could do that. Like you need to do this. And he's like pushing me and like helping me. And like, I personally need that because I'm not really good at like pushing myself out of my comfort zone, like past a certain point, I guess I would say. So it's been really nice um, in that regard because I, I, I don't know what it's like to run a business and he's been doing it for five years now. So it's really nice to like have him where I can be like, Hey, what do you think I should do? Or what do you think like the people on Instagram will like, like things like that? Cause he's, you know, been through it and, and done it. Yeah. I mean, it's different. It's different categories, yeah. but a lot of it is the same because she's trying to grow, you know, kind of a something from the ground up in the same areas that I have tried or already I've been slightly successful in, yeah. you know, here and there. But I've, it's just funny to see her start YouTube like from ground zero and yeah. then how Gary and I are like coming in on 100k subs you know, yeah. on youtube like but <laughs> I'm like, i mean how did you do it <laughs> and we're not and we're not like like crushing it on every platform but we've grown substantially on all of them we have like a strong base and uh but it's kind of cool just to watch just because I, a lot of times i'll feel like i have a great idea for mallory and i'll be like oh babe you got to check this and, she, and like it's not or whatever because i don't know anything about makeup yeah i mean it's it's a little mm-hmm. different but i mean it's all about, especially from like a social media standpoint, is like what's going to be eye catching to somebody and make them click on like your profile. And then from there, like, do you have like enough photos on there that's in a specific niche that people are going to be like, I want to follow this person. So but it, that's you, been But hard. even weirder though, like for music, it's not necessarily like clickbait, you know, for, for the type of like area that you're trying to succeed in, you can succeed more off like, a hot thumbnail or right. something like that. Like musicians don't really get that because it's pretty much has to be about the song. That's so you know? true. Yeah, that's. I think that's one of the hard things for him to like try to relate is because like I'm trying to put out an image and he's trying to put out a sound. And so it's different in that regard. But at the same time, it's like, I, I think I can just do wilder and crazy things than they can. Well, I guess on like the Muscadine page, y'all, y'all keep it a little bit more low key, but on his right. personal page, he can post whatever he wants, obviously. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's not hard as both as creatives, yeah, though, in my opinion, yeah. you know, to answer your question. I don't, we don't really get in each other's way. A lot of times we just try to help each other in, whether we want to hear each other's opinion or not, then <laughs> we'll just flip a coin because yeah. sometimes we don't, we just don't, you know. But it's also nice to have like your own thing because like sometimes he'll be down here like gaming or working on whatever and I'm like upstairs doing like makeup or editing or whatever I need to do. And so it's kind of nice to like to, we have our own creative spaces in our house, which is really helpful. So we can kind of go where we feel comfortable to like create new stuff. So yesterday you found the old flash drive with your <laughs> first picture of Charlie. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I thought that was amazing. Talk to me about how have y'all changed as a couple over those past couple years, but also how have you changed from the Mallory and Charlie in those photos? Do you want to go wow. first? Or? I mean, 
Let's put Charlie in the hot seat. How Sorry, have we changed? Sure. <laughs> I was in a different relationship when I, when those photos were taken. Um, when I first met Mallory, I was dating someone else. Um, but so that's number one. Uh, number two. Hence why we only shook hands. Like right. it didn't go past shaking hands the very first time. I just time knew her met. best friend, Bella. That's yeah. kind of how we, Bella would come and support Gary and I when we played. And, and then second of all, I don't drink anymore. So yeah. I'm like coming up on three years sober and, uh, which really, I mean, I feel like quitting drinking for me was pretty big, a big time decision, obviously. But then I also have like learned so much about myself and so many more positive things have come out of that, which, you know, if you can drink and have a good time and, you know, do your thing. But for me, it was just time to stop, you know, that's, yeah. that's two of the main things. I mean, I would just say overall, we're both like in a more mentally healthy place. I mean, I was still in college at the time, like coming off an old breakup just hanging out at bars and like I mean you know the whole like when you're a junior in college I mean you're just living your life oh yeah but um I would say since then I think from a personal standpoint I mean I've gained more confidence in myself which is something I still work on to this day um but yeah I think the mental health aspect is really big like we've both come become very aware of who we are um, or who we're trying to be, strive to be. And who and we're, we, we want to be, like, as one. Yeah, too, you know? and so we're, I mean, we work towards that, like, every day. Yeah. Even if we have to pry it out of each other. <laughs> it's not always, not always easy. Not, but. Not, not always pretty, but, yeah. you know. Charlie, talk to me a little bit more about, um, you know, I don't need any, I'll leave it to you of how little or how much you want to disclose about the, the choice to not drinking. Because I think that a lot of people in our town today associate country music with going on Broadway, oh, yeah. hitting Vegas bombs, doing the whole thing. I've been guilty of that before. And, and for a lot of us, country music is closely associated with tailgating, with rodeo, yeah, with, with being bonkers. Yeah, for so sure, for sure. how have you been able on a personal level, but also even just as an artist, to be able to still be in those circles, to be, still be in those settings, and to not feel like, or maybe you do feel like kind of the... The, the one in the room that everyone's staring at. Like, has, yeah. has there been challenges for you? What was that decision like? I mean, the decision initially was just tough just because it was a decision I never thought I could make, you know. And, every, I mean, a drinking was just part of my identity for so long, you know, ever since I started driving and partying with my buddies and blah, blah, blah. You know, you get in a c- certain couple of groups or whatever, and, and it's not that they were a bad group for you at the time. It's just that's just what everybody's doing, you know what I mean? And... And I just kind of got caught up in that. It didn't, like you say, you know, you start playing music and it's a party and you start getting playing and it's in bars. And that's the really the first gigs you ever have are in these rowdy college bars where no one really cares what you're singing. That It's just you want to have a good time. So most of the time what you're doing is riling everybody up saying, hey, let's have a shot, blah, blah, blah. And uh, but I mean, honestly, just one bad decision after another. You know, and I just it just kept wearing on me and wearing on me, and I didn't realize how much it was affecting my anxiety and and de- making me depressed and just affecting all of my relationships. And you know, I it's hard to to consider myself what I was like like an alcoholic because I don't I don't necessarily think that I think that I was a you know a partier that definitely abused the right to party I mean it hasn't been as hard as you think coping with it you know I was just really upfront and honest with all my business partners and all of my colleagues and friends right I remember the, the day that I quit I literally spent hours calling people just being like hey I'm just gonna let y'all know I'm quitting drinking 
And, and I think that was one of the most important things is just getting in front of it and just being honest with yourself and everybody that, you know, no one is like, oh man, what a bummer, you know? And I, I even joke to my friends about it sometimes. I'm like, man, y'all would have loved me back when I was drinking, you know, like <laughs> I was a blast or whatever. Cause now the, the reality of it is they're sitting backstage at a show and everybody's just sitting on their phone, you know, and I was the life of the party guy. So really everyone around me has kind of settled down a little bit too. So that's kind of a weird thing, but. It's been a very positive choice in my life. And I, everybody says, you're going to, you're going to start drinking again one day. And I was like, I feel like I could drink now and like control myself and like not be an asshole, but I just don't, I just don't feel like it's worth it. Cause I even went through my own, I've shared in previous episodes last year of going through my own sobriety challenge of a challenge myself of like, Oh, I'm gonna do a sober year. And then I was like, I could never do that. And I was like, wow, that's actually scary to say that. I'm gonna prove it to myself. Right. And I really realized that. A, I'm weird enough sober that I can get away just fine and people don't even assume that, you know, because I'm not like calm sitting in the corner. I'm still like extroverted in the yeah. mix of things. Uh, but just I really would wake up and I really realized, A, I was craving really drunk food. But B, I was having a lot more of a negative outlook on myself and certain relationships, friendships, romantic ones, ones I was hoping for. It was always kind of I would wake up the next day hungover and have this big like it felt like this big burden like mentally. Oh, uh, yeah, about, it's just a cloudy. Yeah. Just, and so I really realized that when I took it away for a whole year of like, wow, like it's amazing not to ever have any hangover days as much yeah. as I miss being the life of the party. Oh, dude. Yeah, I, I don't miss it at all. You know, and it, what's fun, what's actually kind of bad is that, you know, sometimes I have to remind myself to even feel a little sympathetic toward people that are hungover just because like and, and I'm just talking about on a surface level of like oh man i'm sorry you feel that way not and but in my head i don't feel bad for you you know what i'm saying like i, I try not to be like an ass about it but it's like when people around me are like hung over i'm just like i know what you feel like dude. it sucks <laughs> feel, feel don't you. miss it yeah. <laughs> yeah i think you guys are a really interesting couple because you're very unique in a lot of ways but yet you're very different and i think that at least what it seems like to me is you guys do a great job or at least you're intentional about trying to do the best job you can of letting each other be your own person. And I think that a lot of people listening to this, if they don't know you in real life in a deeper level would just assume, man, I bet they fight all the time about one's drinking, one's not. Yeah. <laughs> Cause for a lot of couples, we've all seen it. We all have friends that right. one's too drunk, one's too not. And they always bicker whenever they're drunk or drinking. So what has that been like for you of kind of still saying, I'm still going to drink. Honestly, it's not been like a big deal. Like Charlie said, it wasn't like he doesn't classify himself or didn't classify himself as like an alcoholic. And I wouldn't have either. I think it's just a lot of respect, you know, like she just respects my decision. Right. And, and I don't like fault her for wanting to have a glass of wine. Like I wish I could have a glass of wine and, yeah. and just relax. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I like to drink. Like I like to party. But so. it is it is funny. Like when he quit drinking, it's like people would be like, is am I okay to like drink in front of him? And I'm like, yes. Like he's not going to snatch the bottle out of your yeah, hand. Pe people act a little differently <laughs> and go around, crazy. around me now. They're like, yeah. I mean, what, like, what, what can I get you? Yeah. Uh, you know, and I'm like, nothing. <laughs> like, like, do you, like you need a drink or something like a water. I'm like, yeah. no, I'm, I can, I'm good. I'm not thirsty. Yeah. I think the outside perspective, people feel like it's like a forbidden thing, but for us, it was just, he was just like, I'm going to quit. And I was like, okay, cool. And I mean, he saw so many positive effects from it. I mean, aside from like the ones you mentioned, but like also, I mean, he kind of immediately like dropped weight. And so then like for me, I'm like, dang, like maybe I should <laughs> just stop drinking Gained too. It back, and <laughs> uh, by sugar cravings, but whatever. <laughs> but no, I mean, um, 
I've never really been like like when he was drinking, he was a, more of a good time Charlie. That's why I like I always call him because it's just easier to refer to him than partier. But he was always a good time Charlie, and I would drink occasionally. I mean, I'm having a glass of wine now, but I'm not really one to like tie one on, you know. It's rare. It's yeah, rare, it's yeah. very rare. Like, I mean, maybe my birthday, you know. But it hasn't really been a challenge um, for us personally, not from my perspective either. What do you feel like is something that either you learned about yourself or as a couple last year that you didn't expect to? Like, were there any things that because either you had just more time to to be together or you had more time to kind of or you were forced rather to do other things, be it golf, be it gaming, be it other things that then flush something out about yourself that you were surprised to learn about either y'all as a couple or you individually? That's a good question. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean... (laughs) I feel like, you know, one thing I learned is just, you know, just it's okay to set boundaries in your relationship and it's okay to, you know, have hobbies that are, that are, I mean, just because you're married doesn't mean you have to sit on the couch and stare at each other goo-goo-eyed all day. Right, because let's face it, that's boring anyway. Right. I mean, (laughs) and I've even found out about myself that a lot of my hobbies are kind of my, my medicators now, you know, and like what I took away from drinking all the time, I replaced by playing golf or gaming or watching twitch or stuff like that and that's something i've learned in therapy that you know a lot of my hobbies are my medicators and so mallory realizes that a lot of them i just need to go do you know and and that's one thing that i feel like we learned from his perspective yeah we definitely learned that about him um but from mine it's definitely been a very weird and transformative year for me um Back in March, I was working still in a corporate job. And then in about July, I actually left that job because I felt like I just wanted more. Um, But really, it's kind of like put me on this journey of figuring out myself because I I think when you get into a rut, you tend to blame the thing that you like don't like the most. And at that time, it was my job. Um, So I was like, my job is just it's putting me down. It's It's making me feel. Yeah, yeah, it's making me feel anxious. And so I, I left it. And when I left immediately, I was like, oh, this is great. Like, I don't have anything to worry about. Um, and then I slowly realized it was more of like, I need to work on me and like what this really is. Cause once the clouds kind of settled, I realized, you know, it wasn't the job. It's definitely something I need to be doing and digging into further. Um, and so that's when I kind of like decided, I was like, I'm going to take like the makeup thing to like a next level or at least try. Um, and so I started, you know, the YouTube channel, in July or maybe August. Um, and I've just slowly kind of been dipping my toe in, but I have big plans for 2021. So I'm excited about that. But, um, I've definitely learned a lot about myself. If I explained everything, it would probably, I'd probably be here all night. But the biggest Mm -hmm. thing is like, I can look a challenge in the face. I'm not afraid to at least try now because I've, I've done so much and experienced a lot ever since, you know, I quit my job. So that's been very eye opening and transformative for me personally. Yeah, that's amazing. I want to come back to you. And I, again, don't want to put words in your mouth. So if this isn't true, you know, answer however you would. But what was it like dating someone and then marrying someone who is very much like, I mean, Muscadine, it's a it's a big band now. Like a lot of people have heard of him. Was there ever a moment where you were kind of looking at yourself as in the mirror of this is what Mallory is and it's she's just Charlie's husband? 
or were you able to always aspire to be more? Because I think a lot of people would just kind of throw it in park and just kind of like coast through life. But the thing that I'm going to probably continue to harp on in all these different questions is I love how you guys are so individualistic in your goals and yet you still come together under the same roof and it seems to be a very healthy dynamic where you're letting each other do each other's thing but yet you're like the other person's still important because I think sometimes that can drive people away so well I mean she's got her own goals and her own dreams you know like and I feel not to answer for you. I mean, I, you can definitely answer too, but I just have some stuff <laughs> on my mind. It's like, get it out there. <laughs> she's got her own goals and her own aspirations. And, and she had those before she met me, you know what I mean? And, and I'm the type of guy that had, you know, parents that are always pushing me to go do whatever you want to try to do, please try it. And like, so that's one thing that I try to do to her that I'm like, Hey, even if I have to dig at her a little bit, like I'm like, yeah. Hey, what do you, what do you really want to do? You know, like, are you doing that? And yeah. so that's what I, one thing I try to do for her. To answer your question about like, do I feel like Charlie Muncaster's wife? The answer is no. I mean, obviously I am, right? but a lot of people ask me that. Like I've had even in therapy, like my therapist will be like, do you resent him? Do you feel like there's any resentment? And I'm like, cause he's living his dreams. No, I think that's really cool. Um, so the answer is no, I don't feel any resentment. I don't feel like I'm just kind of like there on the sidelines at all. Um, I think it's like a really cool dynamic. And honestly, I think what helped us in the beginning too was like, when we started dating, I was still in college. So I had uh, those things to worry about. I didn't really have time to like think about all the ins and outs. I wasn't sitting at home waiting for him to come back or anything like that. So that was really nice. And I think that was a good distraction. But once I did graduate, I kind of, I found that job and I landed on my feet. And, um, you know, like he, he mentioned, I have always had goals and dreams of my own and aspirations. And I've been doing like the makeup thing since before I even knew Charlie. I mean, when I was a kid, I used to, my mom used to buy Mac makeup cause she's crazy, but she used to buy Mac makeup for us to like play in. And that's like when I was first introduced to it, probably when I was 12 or something. Good product from the beginning. Oh yeah. yeah it <laughs> just spoiled me to, to, to what makeup could be. But, um, so I've kind of always had, I, I don't really know what the goal is for makeup. I think it's just to do what I love and what I'm passionate about and be creative. Um, cause that's when I'm like my happiest, I would say. Um, but no, I've never felt like just kind of in the, in the background, Charlie's always been really good at supporting me and always pushing me to be better. And he's always included me too, which has always helped because I mean, I could see how people might think like, Oh, well he's doing his own thing. But really, I mean, it's kind of cool. Like I'll go in the studio with them sometimes, like I get to hear like demos and give my opinion and stuff. And so it's, it's honestly nice to be able to play off of each other and have that, that one person you can go to who, you know, who's going to tell you the truth, you know? Like, does this look good? Should I post this? And he'll be like, nah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> so, I mean, that's been nice. I feel like a lot of uh, what y'all are able to do as individuals is because you're ultimately secure in who you are. And not that I want to set this realistic expectation because I think all three of us sitting at this table would not say that we're immune to haters, immune to letting people down or friends hurting us or to saying we are absolutely the best versions of ourselves today. And there's nothing in our lives that we want to change. Cause I think all three of us are aspiring for different things or 
or to get us to the ultimate version of ourselves. But what were those steps for you guys? Be it, how much would you equate it to uh, your upbringing, be it that you're, you had the exposure to Mac, which was kind of like the equivalent of getting an American telly as your first guitar. And you're like, wow, like this is great. You know, so how much of it do you feel like of the, the man and woman you are today is because of your upbringing and how much of it do you feel like has been kind of this self-discovery process? What ultimately has led you guys to kind of being these more, I think, self-aware of yourselves, but also very confident in that you're able to let each other do these other things. You're able to give an honest opinion because I think it's when you're not secure in who you are as individuals, but ultimately as a couple is when you kind of start to bicker and there's the jealousy and there's the, oh my gosh, what is Charlie doing on tour or who's DMing Mallory or who's doing this? So how, talk me through that. I mean, it's definitely a constant work in progress, you know? I mean, everybody gets insecure sometimes and, you know, everybody, I guess not everybody experiences haters, but, and, and, you know, it's, 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 it's a constant work in progress. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just, I feel like marriage really changed a lot for me just because, you know, man, you're married, like, you, when you look when you're up there and you make that decision together in front of God and everybody, like it just it just brings this blanket of security over you know your emotions and just what you are capable of going through, in my opinion. And that's that's one thing that really helped me, you know, a lot with my insecurities, with whether that be relationship insecurities from like past traumas or you know haters from the business and stuff like that, but it's definitely a work in progress and, and, and some days we're great at it and some days we're terrible at it, you know, but we're always working toward it and respectful of the days that we both fail. Yeah. I mean, I think from a relationship standpoint, um, I've always had the, the kind of golden rules, like trust somebody until they give you a reason not to, you know? And I think that's what kind of like their relationship is all about. Um, but from, for the other question or the other part of the question, as far as like me and finding my identity and, and creativity, I would say it's pretty 50, 50 between a childhood influence and then coming into adulthood. Um, like I said, when I was a kid, my mom would buy like crazy makeup and she was a digital photographer. She still is. And so when she didn't have clients, she wanted to do fun, creative stuff. And so she, we would dress up and put on crazy makeup and we'd go think we were supermodels out on a street downtown and like take pictures and stuff. And so I think that is definitely where I kind of had my start in a creative way because I was able to do the makeup however I wanted, wear what I wanted and express myself in that way. Um, and then in college is when I kind of picked back up on the whole makeup thing. Um, in college was the first time I think I had experienced or remembered experiencing anxiety. And I used to watch makeup tutorials to like soothe myself. And I was like, I could do this. Like I could blend eyeshadow. Like I love doing this. So I kind of became obsessed with it at that point. Um, but it was always fun. Like, I remember just like sitting in my bathroom floor, like getting ready to go places. And I would literally start three hours early because I just wanted to do my makeup for three hours. (laughs) So that's kind of where it started up again into adulthood. And now today, um, just putting out more content than I was before. So what role do you feel like makeup has played for you as a woman? Um, Because I've heard this quote recently and I'm going to badger it. So this is (laughs) completely just paraphrasing, but something about like 
you know, women don't put on makeup just for men. Yeah. You know, it's, it's for them too. hundred percent. I've, I've heard her say that millions of times. Yeah. So talk to me, what does that quote mean to you? Like unpack that. To me, I've always been like a very big fan of do what makes you feel your best you. So if that's no makeup or you're rocking a full face, like I am now with neon eyeshadow, like do what makes you feel the best about yourself. Um, and like that quote says, it's not to attract a partner all the time, you know, like sometimes it's just because you're feeling funky that day and you want to put on glitter. It's a form of expression. Yeah. To me, to me it really is. And like, I think that even more now when I sit down and I'm like, okay, what do I want to do today? If I look at something and I'm like, I'm going to try to recreate this, but it's not really what I'm feeling inside. It never turns out the way I want it to, because it's not really how I'm feeling. Like I'm not, you know, maybe excited that day, you know, and I don't want to do hot pink on my eyes or something crazy like that. Um, so it, I think makeup is more than just something you put on to make you appear to other people. It's something you put on to make yourself, you know, feel how you want to feel, whether that's confident or beautiful or whatever you're trying to accomplish. I think it really can be whatever you want it to be. I'm curious with the makeup, how much do you feel like is your ability to be a makeup artist, but how much of what you do from a client's perspective, would you say is based on just you being god-given person you are i would say aside from like brides brides they probably are more focused on like the skill set um but if you're going to be working with anyone else i'd probably say in my eyes it's probably 80 20 or maybe i don't know maybe closer to 50 50 75 25 whatever but for me personally i hope that people love me for who i am and know that you know, who I am, they're going to get what they see is a big thing for me. Not, not just from like a actual makeup visual, but like a personality standpoint, like I'm a, I'm the type of person that's not gonna sugarcoat things. And I'm going to tell you like it is. Um, and I hope that people appreciate that about me. It's, I talk about this with Charlie all the time and this is gonna, I don't know if we should even go here, but we always, we always talk about the Enneagram test. Have you ever taken it? As someone who has previously been on Hinge in Nashville, I was basically forced to take the Enneagram (laughs) because that would come up on every single match (laughs) within like the first few questions. Yeah. So I always like, joke about my Enneagram, I guess is like a mechanism, but my number is the eight, which is the challenger, which is basically the most blunt form of a person that you can get or can be. And I, I was talking about it and ther- I was talking about <laughs> it in therapy the other day. And I even posted this on my story because <clears throat> it just resonated with me so well. And I was like, I know I'm a lot. And I like threw up my hands and I like looked at my therapist and she was like, yeah, you are. But that's exactly like what makes you special. She was like, I bet you can put your mind to anything and be the best at it, can't you? And I was like, well, I try to be. And she was like, your personality type and the type of person you are, people are going to respect that. Like you could start a business tomorrow and people will hire you just off the fact that they they can trust you immediately. They know they're going to get exactly what you tell them. And so I think that's definitely something that's really important to me. Um, I, it took somebody telling me that for me to be like, Oh yeah, that's, that's true. I, I, I do hold that like pretty as a high standard for myself. So for me, I don't know if I would always hire somebody based off their personality, but for me, I hope that people see my personality and that's what really shines through at the end of the day. You both have brought up 
therapy on the podcast so far. And I know mental health has been something you, Charlie, have brought up on social media a couple times and it's important to you. So I definitely want to make sure that it, it has its rightful place in this episode. And we have a chance for both of you, if you have thoughts that you want to share on it, you know, what has that journey been like for you to the point? Because I know mental health, and, and you'll probably echo something similar, has had this bad stigma. So it's kind of, or not even a bad stigma, but it's just kind of like this thing that we don't really want to talk about or no one really wants, especially in your perspective of having the blue check mark to be like, hey guys, like, not everything's always awesome all the time in this kind of social media driven world of like, we're always showing highlights of ourselves and only our best. So what has that been like for you on this journey as someone that's kind of in the public eye, if you will, to be willing to talk about that? It was scary at first, you know, I mean, it was even scary to tell Mallory some of the struggles that I, that I go through. And, um, but I mean, ultimately Mallory was, was the one that kind of pulled it out of me. You know, she, she kind of, I remember we, we, I remember vividly, we were picking out river one day in Tennessee and, and, uh, we went, drove to Murfreesboro to get, River's our dog, to by get the way. river. Yeah. He's sitting <laughs> right next to us. He's the one you hear clopping around the, the room. But, and I just remember like, I just was having a hard time, you know, feeling like finding my purpose and, and just, I keep, I kept hearing all these things about how when you turn 26 or to 28, your frontal lobe closes. And it's just like, it like, <laughs> that's just part of my anxiety, you know? And I just start, I start thinking the worst of every situation and, and it all just like, it's like a pressure cooker, you know, you, you start thinking the worst of this situation and then, it, and then it compiles to this and this and this, and then the, the lid pops off and then you're just crying one day, you know, and, and Mallory was there for me that day. And she was just like, look, let's, let's just get you to talk to somebody. And, uh, and that was like, I was like, hell no, <laughs> like, no, I would never, I, I barely want to talk to you about this. You know, you're my wife, but honestly, that was probably the hardest hump to get over. But then, you know, I went to see a therapist. It was actually the first therapist I even tried, like interviewed and, um, and he was great for me and, and really, man, just being able to air out your feelings and, and learn about yourself and in your mental health is I think what is like the light at the end of the tunnel for me and why most of my days aren't like that anymore now, you know, cause I understand the feelings that I'm having most of the time when I'm having them. And I realize that it's okay as a man to cry and to be sad and to be happy and to be, you know, anxious and depressed even sometimes, you know? And so that's one thing that I've learned through my journey that it's definitely gotten easier, but it's, it definitely takes a lot of courage in the beginning to to get over that hump of just being honest with yourself about struggling. Yeah. I mean, I would say the, the best thing about therapy for me was learning how to identify my feelings because it automatically brings you calmness and ease. You don't always know how to navigate to get out of that situation. Like I, I fully believe that there are certain things you have to go through in order to, oh, to get sure. through. Um, but just being able to be like, okay, I'm feeling anxiety because of X, Y, Z that's mm -hmm. happening in my life. And I'm like, okay, that will give me enough peace to be able to like calm on the surface at least and get through, you know, the day or whatever it may be or what's going on. Um, and I told a friend recently, 
we were like just talking over the holidays and I said, I like made a joke about therapy or something. I was like, I can't wait to tell my therapist this. And she was like, I've never been to therapy. And I'm like, I'm a firm believer that even the most mentally healthy people would benefit from therapy. Because like Charlie said, it's not like you sit down and you have to talk about sad things. You yeah, just Yeah, and they're talk. not going to tell you you're crazy. Yeah. You know, like all the things that you fear about it. They're not going to, I mean, right. they're not going to sit down and they'll be like, oh man, we need to check you into the mental institution. Yeah. You're, you're really in trouble, sir. You yeah. Know? And I think that's why the stigma is around it because you see it in the movies and, and people go lay on the couch and they talk about their depressing life. Like you don't have to be depressed to see a therapist. You just no. have to be, you know, willing to be comfortable with what you're feeling. And I just think that's so important because especially I talk about this with Charlie a lot. I feel like men are taught from a very young age. Like you have to be tough. You've got to rub dirt in it. Mm -hmm. You don't need to be scared. And so then you grow up and like life is scary. Yeah. Life is scary and things are going to bother you and you are going to feel anxious. And so I feel like a lot of men especially fall into that place where they're like, I don't want to go to therapy because that's not tough, but yet they're stuck not knowing how to deal with what they're going through too, which I think is very sad. So I think, I think it's great when Charlie came forward about therapy. I mean, he didn't even post about being sober until like his two year mark. And I thought that was incredible. And the amount of people that will just be like, Hey, like I had no idea you're going through this. Like I went through something similar or even today they'll be like, Hey man, like I know you're a big advocate for this and I've been going through this. Like, can you give me some advice or something? Do you know know of anyone I can talk to? Things like like that. I'm like, obviously I'm not a professional. Like I can talk with you about it, but I, I can, all I can do is like refer to you things that I've tried. Right. But I think that's a huge step because I think about all those people that may never have come forward unless he shared his story. And so like, we're very big advocates of the mental health thing because you just don't know who's listening and who needs to hear it, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think too, the reason why I've kind of decided to wear this badge, you know, of like mental health advocate is just, you know, one day I just remember making a post about it or something. It was like, mental health awareness day or something. I don't remember the first, really the first thing I ever said about it, but I was just like, I want to talk about therapy and I want to talk about anxiety for a minute or whatever. Like DM me if you've ever, I mean, and I'm talking about hundreds of people, like more than I've ever had DM about music, more than I've ever had anything about professional, anything was how many people reached out to me to say like, Hey, I struggle too. You know, and that was like, I remember laying in bed and Mallory, like reading these DMs out to her and being like, this is scary. Like, this is stuff that people, there's the, the reason why they feel like this though, is because they don't talk to anybody about it and they, and, and they feel okay about it because they saw that I'm struggling too. And they, and they decided to open up to me about it. And I was like, Hey man, if I just have to be the guy that, that says, Hey, talk to me about it. Like I'll, I'll let you bend my ear. You know? Yeah. Well, I think it's beneficial both ways because then it's like, Charlie doesn't feel like he's alone either, mm. you know? So it's, it's really, totally. I think sharing it's, it's medicating for me too. Right. And sharing uh, your mental health, I think is important. You, it, and how much you share is fully up to you. You don't have to go and tell everybody what you told your therapist yesterday or whatever, you know, but um, I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> HIPAA and everything, but, um, I just think it's such a, it's such a cool time that we're living in because people are so open and honest about it right now. And I just think that's really cool and very important. So a follow-up question, and I want to be careful how I word this because what I'm not about to say is how have you, or how are you able to profit off of your mental health struggles or, or battles rather? How have you been able to 
lean into learning more about yourself through mental health or learning more about how to put words to feelings or what, again, I don't want to put words in your mouth of whatever you're working through with your therapist, but has that at all changed or impacted your approach to music? For me, and, and I can speak for Gary too, just because we're obviously business partners and, but I mean, we write together 95% of the time, you know, and so there's not many songs that we have that aren't true and, and that aren't inspired by real life stuff, you know, and um, luckily for me, I feel like that's why that's, the way country music is intended to be and it's about honesty and and that's just another badge that we decide to wear and i mean you know even piggybacking off the mental health thing you know the day i the day after i quit drinking we wrote enemy and like we were both struggling with some things and one of our and the other co-writer that we had too was going through some times you know and it's just like it's just amazing how we can be honest about these things you know it's just I guess a little bit therapeutic too but you know being able to go on stage and sing a song like Enemy you know it's not necessarily about it's, it's about whatever you need it to be about you know and, and that goes for our, our fun songs and that goes for all the other songs you know and I wouldn't say that you know my mental health journey has necessarily helped me as a songwriter just because I've always tried to be true to myself in that aspect but I would say that I do I am more comfortable talking about uncomfortable topics now you know and that's one thing Gary's definitely not afraid to do either you know even if it's something he's going through like I'm like hey let's dive in what do you two feel like and I know Mal you did a great job of really verbalizing kind of that idea uh, and really what I took away from what you were saying was mental health is one of those things where Nine times out of ten, no one's going to come up to you and be like, I'm not going to be like, hey, Charlie Mallory, like, I'm struggling with this. But as soon as you kind of put a little skin in the game, if you will, yourself, people are so much more willing to be like, oh, yeah, I struggle with that, too. Or, or oh, yeah, I struggle with that as well. So I feel like there's been a lot of change in the last, we'll call it even five years in society or, or culturally of like where certain stigmas have changed and, and different things online, even with you know, things like nudity or things that were previously like super taboo. That's just an example. That's not right. the only thing. But what do you feel like do you guys, if one of you wants to answer, both of you wants to answer your own POV or two cents on, what is it going to take for that stigma on mental health to go from being kind of this thing that it almost feels embarrassing to kind of talk about or, or bring about to something that's more of like that we all can see this as, oh, that's actually healthy that Charlie's willing to talk about this or that Eric's willing to open up about this. Yeah, I mean, I think it just takes a little bit of bravery and 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 courage to just share just share your transgressions with people. It's not even that you have to post about it or whatever. I feel obligated to post about it just because I'm blessed enough to have a platform of you know twenty five thousand people on my personal page and a you know hundreds of thousand on Muscadine's page to and so Gary and I just try to spread some good in the world, you know, and not just selfishly spread our music around, but it's just like, I think, I don't think the stigma will ever end. I, you know, I don't think that racism will ever end. I don't think that these certain things are ever going to completely come to it all the way halt, but all we can do is work on it. And all we can do is keep spreading awareness and keep talking about it. You know, I feel like when a guy like me, a normal guy from South Alabama can tell you that, Hey man, it's okay to not be okay. 
then even if a, one person takes that message and spreads it to three more people, you know, then I think that it's a job well done. Yeah. I mean, I think mental health is, uh, definitely something you have to continually work on because even if say Charlie, you know, posts on his Instagram and he's like, Hey, like I have a therapist or whatever he says, it might still take, you know, time for whoever's reading that to come to terms with the fact that they are struggling or they need to talk to somebody. But the biggest thing, and we keep going back to it and just to like, give it, I guess, a definition or, um, what am I trying to say? (laughs) A word to what I was saying is shared vulnerability. If you immediately come off, like I've found myself like meeting somebody and in the first conversation I'm talking about like my therapist. And so I hope it makes them feel comfortable on the fact that like, I'm not asking them to share, you know, I'm just letting them know that like, I'm trying to be vulnerable in a conversation and, and let you know who I am and where I stand and that like, I, this would be a safe place, I guess. And that's like a, just a big thing, or at least from my point of view. Um, I mean, for me, I didn't really think about therapy or know about therapy until after college, probably I had more friends that were going. And then I had a lot of coworkers that went frequently. And what's funny is she was recommending therapy to me before she did therapy. Well, I had done so. Like, I had done, it's kind of strange how she was kind of an advocate for it before. Yeah, she really even did. It. Well, I had done like a short stint in therapy in high school. I went through like a traumatic event, um, like a health scare of mine, and so I went just to talk to somebody because I had like a weird shame slash guilt thing. And when you're 17, you don't really know what that is. But then when you get older and you become more aware, I felt like more educated on it. And at that time, when I was like trying to help Charlie with his stuff it's you get to a point where you're like listen I love you and I hear what you're saying but I think this should go a step further you know like let's talk to a professional yeah and not just mediate between ourselves right and he was open to it I think that's another big thing is like being open to the fact that like maybe you don't have everything together you know because I think and I'm, I'm not putting words in your mouth Charlie but I think with the status air quotes here that muscadine has it would be even harder almost to come forward with that type of information or or feel like that's something that that could be normal or who what are people immediately what are people gonna think you know that would cross your mind and so i just i just wanted to feel normal you know i just want i didn't want people to say like oh something's wrong with him you know and that and and something as simple as that was one of the biggest factors of me not even being honest with myself about it yeah but the truth of the matter is once you get comfortable talking about it you realize how many people struggle with those little things every day I'm pretty sure everyone experiences anxiety or some form of it in their in their life they just don't know always know what it is so I think just always being open and being willing to share your side of things is the biggest way it could possibly come to an end like charlie said i don't know if it ever will but hopefully i love both of your perspectives on what you share and you know i've talked about some other episodes of my own journey with it you know when i started out launching this company or this creative thing that i'm doing or just all the creative things really was those first like two months i was bedridden because i had so much anxiety and depression just going from this always getting a check every two weeks in the mail from my employer to now realizing like I'm on 100% commission. Yeah. It, it, it crushed me, just the anxiety. And still, even to this day, like even the past few weeks, like those same feelings of starting to come up where like I'm going to sleep at like three or four o'clock in the morning because mine's just going. And so yeah. I guess the only thing I would add for people listening 
is my experience would be to just continue to give mental health the opportunity to be a part of your conversations, but also to give grace to other people. Because I think Mm -hmm. that sometimes we live in this world, unfortunately, right now, where if I'm struggling with something, but I feel closest to you and I have never told anyone about it. And let's just say you're having an off day, Charlie, or there's something else on your mind. And it's kind of a big moment for me, but you don't know what's coming. I'm like, Hey man, I'm struggling with this. And you're kind of like, Oh, that's weird. Or like, Oh, I got to go. Like you then, and this has happened to me personally, why I share this, not with you, but I'd say an example where you feel burned and now you're like, well, no one's going to care about me. So I'm never going to talk to anyone about it again. So you you have to be willing to give it a few tries. I can even, you know, comment on that a little more. I mean, I just remember, I mean, the other day I texted from Muscadine or, or tweeted and it was just like a, Hey, I don't know who needs to hear this, but I just want to let you know that therapy's cool, anxiety's normal, and you know, depression's a, a very common feeling or something of, of that nature. And and I was just like, you know, don't be afraid to talk to people about it. And I just remember some I remember one girl reached out and she said that uh she was like, What do you do if if the person you talk to about it didn't care or didn't help you? You know, and and then I just just had to help her remind her, it was like, hey, like not everybody's going to understand, you know what I'm saying? Like, just keep trying and keep like, just, I mean, just cause you try a therapist out doesn't mean it's going to be the guy or the girl, you know what I mean? And the same thing goes with like a friend that you share it with. Maybe they're not, not comfortable talking about it or don't know how to answer the questions, but I think you do have to show a little grace and try, you know, for the people out there that if someone's ever opened to you, opened up to you about it, you know, at least listen to them, you know, at least, at least try to understand, you know, that's really all I can, all I can say about that. I think we as a society have become too good of job of hearers and not very good job of listeners in the mm-hmm. sense that you, we hear what people say and then we just immediately give feedback or we're just like, you know, put that in the box of like, oh, they're struggling or, oh, they have issues. And you kind of move on versus a listener. You're truly taking it in. I mean, I know there are times in my days where I call a friend or a family member, and I'm like, in my head, I can't tell this to him, but I'm like, I just want you to listen. Like, yeah. I don't need your perspective. I know you're you're giving me feedback because you care and you want to help, but like, there's just so much value in someone that just is truly going to just sit there and listen yeah. and let you air it all out, and then know that that statement or that transgression or whatever you're talking about is, is safe with them, and it's not going elsewhere. And so I feel like I just want to challenge everyone listening. Like, we need to be so much better listeners than we are hearers, and and ultimately that takes away the pressure of, because I think it comes from, oh, well, if Charlie or oh, Mallory is telling me about this, I'm going to be a bad friend if I don't tell them what they should do. Yeah. And then we get like, oh, we yeah, you don't to- necessarily have to know the answer. You know, yeah, you don't always have to have a reply. Either. No, you can just no. be like, I hear you. Yeah. And I, I mean, I've shared, I mean, one of my buddies, Jordan Fletcher, we, I mean, I, I, he was my therapist before <laughs> I had therapy, you know, because we would be my gym, my gym pal. And we'd go up to the gym and I mean, we were working out, but for the most part, me and him were just airing out everything to each other. And, and it was just like one of the most healthy things. And we didn't know the answers. Like he's talking about marriage stuff when I wasn't even married. And like, I'm talking about mental health things and he's not in therapy and stuff like that, you know? And so really just do just being there for somebody is like, like you said, just like listening and not just hearing is goes so far. Charlie, I want you to, so kind of changing gears here, talk to me about your decision to get into gaming and streaming and all things Charlie the Kid. Honestly, I've been playing playing video games for my whole life. You know, I started out playing Nintendo 64 and beating Super Mario and 
and I just I loved it and I think it I mean I was fortunate enough to grow up where the technology was advanced enough to where you know it was having the cool the cool games or whatever and I just I've always liked it and I think like I like I commented on earlier you know gaming has kind of been a medicator of mine after I quit drinking and and it's been a kind of a medicator for my anxiety and like I just remember I would play I played a lot first you know I kind of re got reintroduced to gaming like when Fortnite was big I remember those days yeah and I, <laughs> and I didn't I still had no idea that like Twitch was a was a thing you know and uh but I would play I would play the hell out of it dude and I sucked so bad at it cuz I couldn't <laughs> couldn't build on there and that's really one of the big things of the game and uh but i mean i was addict addicted like it, it was <laughs> it was bad it was actually like scary every day. how addicted i was to playing this game and um but and so i just kept doing that for a <laughs> while and then like it's kind of weird because all my hobbies it's weird because if i choose a hobby like i want to freaking rock at it like, i want to be good at it i want to know everything there is to know about it and so i started diving into youtube about it and then i started finding these big streamers like you know nick murk cypher pk aiden like all these guys and then i started well i saw them on youtube first and then i started realizing what they were just ripping the broadcast from and i was like oh why am i watching these these things a day late you know i could just watch it in real time and then so then I found out what Twitch was. And, and now he never <coughs> watches normal TV. It's just Twitch. Yeah, it's I the mean, weirdest thing ever. <laughs> if it's not sports on, it's I'm literally watching games. You yeah. know? We watched a movie last night for the first time in a long time. Well, I mean, Mallory and I will watch <laughs> movies and stuff like that, but like other like when it's just me watching TV, like I don't watch TV. No. I watch games. I mean, I I try to sympathize because, I mean, I do that with YouTube, too. I watch makeup tutorials, so it's technically the same thing. Yeah. And then I I started realizing, you know, I'm not – I'm a pretty smart guy. I started realizing, like, I'm seeing these guys get these donations on stream, and I'm seeing these guys – I'm seeing this little little number count under their head on the screen. I'm like, what's this, you know? And I started realizing you can have subscribers on there, just like on a Patreon or or YouTube or whatever. And so I start doing the math in my head – about how much money these dudes are making. And I'm sitting here thinking, damn, these dudes are making a quarter million dollars a month playing this game. Buku dollars. And stuff, you know. <laughs> and so, you know, even the smaller streamers that have a couple thousand subscribers are making plenty of money and stuff like that. And and it was, it's never been like a money-driven thing because I have a job and I do okay for myself. And But I just remember when quarantine first started, you know, I remember Mallory and I, we bought a Peloton. And then I bought a computer. Like, a custom It's weird because the, the world went like on lockdown and, and we were like, we everybody were like, was like, save your money, get the toilet paper, get the <laughs> eggs and the milk. And Mallory and I were like, we about to buy some shit. <laughs> we're like, let's take our life savings. <laughs> and no, we bought a Peloton that we just sold. Yeah, I so, sold the Peloton. The irony. <laughs> um, and then I bought a PC and I, when I, we bought her a camera too. We bought Mallory her camera and her setup for her makeup. You know, and I just, I just, just said, I, dude, I could do this. Like, I've seen these guys play. Like, not every single one of them has to be amazing at the game. It's really just being, being entertaining. Personality. And, and, uh, and I've, I've cultivated this little tiny, you know, little Charlie the Kid gang on, <laughs> on Twitch. And, it's kind of cute. Yeah. I mean, I've got like around 70 to 100 subscribers a month, you know, and they're all, and I feel like I know them all, which is pretty cool. And, uh, 
but it's just, it's a blast, man. I, I try to do it two, three times a week and there's, there's a little tiny paycheck that comes with it, you know, and it's, it's just like a hundred bucks here and there Ooh, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's fun, man. And I just, I see the future in it and I, I, it's something I love to do and it's like, Hey, you might as well just broadcast it if you're going to do it. And Mallory even jokes with me cause I play off stream a lot too. And she's like, why are you not streaming? And I'm like, you could be making that gosh, paper. I love you so much. <laughs> She's like, why are you not like on camera right now? And I'm like, I mean, if you're going to do it, why not do it for money? <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, but yeah, that's just what I've been doing lately, yeah. you know, during quarantine, balancing, making a lot of music and doing that probably, you know, in the evenings mm -hmm. and trying to still be a good husband. You are. Okay. <laughs> Succeeding in all areas. <laughs> I know this year still is. A giant question mark for a lot of us because if we've all taken away anything from 2020 it was that if anyone promises us that xyz is going to be back to normal by this date it's not going to happen that we should just go ahead and put all our eggs in the basket and that no one knows what's going to happen but what are some goals that you guys as individuals have for yourself or for y'all as a couple for this year like what are those things that you guys are working on be it in your own businesses be it on a personal level, what are those things that you guys are, are hoping for or aiming for this year? I'll go first. Go ahead. Um, from a personal standpoint, I have a couple of like number driven goals. Um, I really like to hit 10,000 followers on Instagram. That would be amazing. Um, <laughs> Just so, you get, so you can get links. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I can exactly. start doing the cool. Oh, it's worth it. Yeah. I, I don't know. have it, but I wish I had. I know. Every time I'm like, <laughs> but Char I know what it takes. I'm like, Charlie, go on your page and do a swipe up for me, please. <laughs> I was like, please do it. Um, so that's one thing um, that I'm striving for. Um, and then probably towards the end of the year, um, having like brands send me PR would be also very amazing, but that, Baby that steps. yeah, Baby that, steps. I mean, that comes with, I've got to build okay. a lot of content. So 2021 is basically just the biggest thing is figuring out what works for me and what, um, my future or now and future followers will want to see. Well, um, you, you even said though, that I mean, I, I saw you personally spend a lot of time on, you scheduling and like she spent a lot of time building a content schedule. Yeah. I'm trying, I'm trying to figure out what works. Like I said, just to what, what gets the most impressions, what gets the most likes, what do people want to see versus like what days and what times? I mean, honestly, social media is like a never ending like, battle. It's yeah. yeah. It's a puzzle that you can never really solve because it's always just ever changing. So I think 2021 is really just going to be a really heavily content focus for me, which is why I like, messaged you and I was like I really want to do this cool thing um but that that's the Instagram thing and content's big and then also building up my sus subscribers on YouTube I mean if I can follow a, a, a good schedule I feel like I can get up to like 2,500 subscribers that's a number that Charlie threw out to me I'm like why not let's take on the challenge I mean that would be huge if that does happen so I think that's another big goal that I have for um, my makeup and all the, the beauty stuff I want to do again, the brands is like a huge thing, but that's going to be after the followers and the content comes because you know how that works. But, um, for us, I think just getting, I feel like we've gotten into a routine in 2020 or 2020, but now 2021 is going to be like, what's our routine going to be like? So it's kind of like, we'll have to see, like, will we get into one? Yeah. Yeah. Is Charlie going to go back on the road? Like, am I going to be a work from home 
beauty influencer for the whole year. Like what we don't really know. I think the biggest thing is like, we're taking it day by day and just trying to see what comes of it. One thing I want to do is just form better habits, you know, and I feel like I should have said something like in 2020, (laughs) I mean, it was really easy to, you know, form little bad habits that sparked into worse habits, you know, and you know, like Mallory said, eating i mean i'd like to lose 25 pounds you know but i mean wouldn't we all yeah i mean you just gotta i think it's just getting up every day with a little bit of intention and you don't have to be the most driven person in the world to make a good choice when you wake up and i think that sparks into a lot more good choices the second thing i really want is to play a show i would love to i hadn't i haven't played a a show i haven't played a show since the end of february last year which is the longest i've ever not played a show since i started playing shows when I was 18. Yeah, that's weird. So in 10 years, this is the longest I've ever been without performing. So that's kind of weird. I mean, it's just such a big part of mine and Gary's identity. And, you know, just going out and seeing people and and seeing your fans and like, it's incredible. You know, it's an incredible thing that we get to do and we hadn't been able to do it. So that's been just another thing that's we've just had to try to figure out coping with and stuff like that also I just want to be a better communicator with with my wife because that's one area I feel like I could always get a little better at and you know sometimes I'm you know sparring off some of my mental health stuff I I just suck at like telling her how I feel sometimes (laughs) and that often just like bites me in the ass on the other end so that's another goal of mine (laughs) in 2021 (laughs) I think as many negative things 2020 brought, it's also going to bring a lot of positivity in 2021. Oh, there was tons of silver linings for sure. Yeah. Like I, I keep thinking about from like your perspective, Charlie, like when shows do come back, like how much more. How special it'll be. Yeah. How much more y'all are going to enjoy. Appreciate it. Exactly. Oh. It's it's kind of like. I took it for granted for sure. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's bad to say, but you start. Taking you kind of resent things for, it. Yeah, yeah. In, in a lot granted. of ways, you, res- you resent it, you know. And I think that's like any job, you know. I, I consider myself to be one of the luckiest people alive to have a have a job like I do. But like you, like I talked with Gary about it the other day. I was like, dude, like I will never take that for granted again, you know. And that, but that was a silver lining that came out of 2020, you know. And it and it helped me, you know, become mentally as strong as I have ever been because. I mean, as much as I love being on the road, it also makes you pretty bonkers, you know, just being gone four days a week and not having a real schedule and all that. That's another conversation, but. And eating all the things y'all used to eat. I mean, I do miss all the big, the big cities, man. Like is, I'm a foodie, like half the band is foodies. Zoltan's a big foodie. Yeah. And, uh, man, Zoltan's I, I really, I really just want to go people. back for the guys though. You know, like we hadn't been able to pay them since like June. And so they've all kind of had to do their own thing. And I'm just like, dude, like, that's our family. You know, I, I wish we could get them. I wish we could have paid them while we were off, but it just, just doesn't make, it just didn't make sense, you know? So I, I try to keep, unfortunately, every episode right around an hour and we're right a few minutes over an hour. So I want to ask you, every person on the podcast gets the same question. And since this is the first time I've ever had two people at once, you'll both have the opportunity to answer, answer it as individuals. But as you know, you're on the no more zero days podcast and a zero day is simply defined by getting nothing done towards accomplishing 
the goal or dream for your life, be it that you want to be a makeup influencer, you want to be a streamer, you want to be a triple platinum artist, you want to be a content creator, you want to lose weight, whatever that goal is. And it was founded by me self-realizing that I was living life unhealthily and either today was either in a hundred day where everything was perfect, I stuck to the diet, I worked out for three hours, I did everything productive, or it was an absolute lackluster of a day. I went to Taco Bell twice. I stayed in bed all day. I played video games. I didn't answer emails. And I feel like that for me, I, the vision for this podcast is really helping people move out of either being full tilt on either direction and living somewhere in the middle that if you look back across your month and you say, you know, today was a five on a zero to a hundred scale. Today's a 10 and tomorrow's a 50. That if you look back you'll start to see little wins will kind of snowball into now you're at the Friday and you're like, wow, you know, maybe I didn't get everything I wanted to get done, but at least I got something done. It wasn't either all or nothing. So what advice, and again, you each get to answer this individually and you can go at it from any perspective, from a mental health perspective, from a influencer perspective, from a streamer, what advice would you give to someone that's stuck in that currently zero day mentality right now where they're getting stuck and not being able to, to break out of, be it because of fear, be it because of whatever reason, towards that goal or dream that they have for their life? What, what advice would you say to them? Man, I've been caught in that before, you know, and, and I used to cut grass before I played music. And I just realized one day that nobody was, nobody else is going to make it happen for you, you know? And that was kind of the light bulb thing for me to where I was like, I just got to get up and do it. I just have to get up and make little progress every day and yeah, you're going to be broke. Yeah. You're going to be, you're going to struggle and you're going to be hungry, but it also makes you hungry and appreciate the struggle more. You know, if you actually get it from the bottom, you know, like that's where I want to start. I don't want to hand out. And I can tell you this from experience that it's the most rewarding thing ever just to follow your dream. You know, whether that, whether you're the, the richest man on the planet or, or the prettiest girl in the world, whatever you want to do, I would just say that at least try, at least put your heart to it and, and go for it. Yeah, I mean, I think my one piece of advice is don't convince yourself that you're not worthy of everything that you want. Um, because the only thing that's standing in the way of that is you and your mentality. Um, and it's okay to have a day, you know, where you're like, man, I didn't get everything done. Absolutely. But also don't forget about the little wins. If you did get up today and you answered a couple of emails and you booked a client or whatever, don't, don't just say, Oh, well, it's only one, you know, take that and be like, well, maybe tomorrow or next month I'll book two. And you just work harder every day towards, you know, a small goal. And like you mentioned, it kind of snowballs yeah. into something bigger. Good so habits spark more good habits. Yeah. You know? Don't convince yourself you're not worthy and always give yourself the credit where credit's due.